Hey everyone. So today we're going to have a look at some North American content again. I got this map of Canada sent to me a few weeks ago from a very lovely subscriber, Isabel, who has sent us a map of Quebec before. And another lovely subscriber, Claire, asked whether I could do a video about the Great Lakes. And she sent me a long list of facts to go through. So I figured, let's do that today. But before we open this map here, I thought we could start with an old atlas from Austria. It says here, Österreichischer Atlas für höhere Schulen. And it is from the 1960s. Oh, sorry, 1970s, 1973 it says here. Here it says, Mit Erlass des Bundesministeriums für Unterricht vom 16.02.1962 zum Unterrichtsgebrauch an Mittelschulen und gleichgestellten Lehranstalten zugelassen. So it was cleared to use in schools in the early 60s, and this is from the early 70s. We have America here. So North, Meso and South America are often listed as one continent, as you can see here. Let's see, 126. St. Lawrence River, the 
towards the Atlantic Ocean. So Quebec would be here. Montréal, which we've also looked at before. And you can see here very nicely that they lie along the border between Canada and the US. In fact, we're going to have a look at this on another map later, but the border runs right through the lakes, except for, except for Lake Michigan, which is entirely in the US. But if you look closely, you can see that so that these great lakes kind of continue upwards here. There's Lake Winnipeg, Great Slave Lake, Great Bear Lake. And there's a reason for that, so that it's lying through the continent. Towards the north in Canada, you have the Great Canadian Shield right here, which is a very old geological formation, kind of the bedrock of the North American continent. It used to consist of very high mountains that eroded over time, but the area still lies a little higher than towards the southwest which is why the lakes formed here along the border of the Canadian Shield. These great lakes themselves are relatively young though, about 14,000 years old. So they formed with the last ice age. You had the glaciers reaching all the way down they formed these basins and as they retreated they filled with water from the glaciers and they also have rivers feeding into the lakes To the north, you have forests, but it's a relatively thin layer of topsoil, and you can often see the naked rock peeking through. And here we also have a map on industry in North America. We can see here that the area just south of the Great Lakes is a highly industrialized region. So 
Massachusetts hier Industriegebiete. But doesn't clarify it any further. But of course here, for example, with Detroit, you had a huge city, about one and a half million people at the time in the automobile industry. So here would be Chicago, right on the southern shore of the Michigan Lake. You have Detroit. Then here, moving out of the Great Lake region, Montreal, then further on to Quebec. But just here in this area, you have about 12 million people living there today. It's a really important location in the US. One thing I always find quite fascinating, I've mentioned this before, is that so the distances are a little different to what I'm used to. And when I think of a lake, I often think of the smaller lakes that we have here in Austria where I used to spend the summers as a kid. And I mean, there are some larger ones, but we often went to the smaller ones where you could actually walk around the entire lake in about two hours. Lake Superior is actually pretty much exactly the size of all of Austria. So for me, that's pretty difficult to imagine. They are among the largest lakes in the world. In terms of volume, only Lake Baikal is bigger. And Lake Superior, in fact, could fit all of the other four lakes, plus it has some extra water, so it's quite deep as well. If you look at a list of largest lakes in the world, you might also see the Caspian Sea on top of the list, but that's brackish water and not fresh water. And then some of the others are Lake Victoria in Africa, and this one right here, Tanganyika Lake. But the Great Lakes fit 21% of the world's surface, fresh water. So that really is quite impressive. And again, we can kind of nicely see here this line running through. You have the Appalachian Mountains 
and then the Rocky Mountains to the west. There is one extra lake up here, Lake Nipigon, which technically is the sixth of the Great Lakes. It's a bit smaller and not always included in the list. Water moves from here into Lake Superior. And the fascinating part is that it takes about 200 years for a drop of water to move on into Lake Michigan and Lake Huron. That's of course because Lake Superior is very, very deep. And the other thing is that in summer and in winter it's stratified. So on the bottom you have a constant 4 degrees Celsius, but on the surface it gets warmer or colder so the water doesn't mix. But in fall and in spring, the water does mix, so the top layers and the bottom layers mix, water moves through the entire lake, and that's why it takes quite long for water to move on into the next part of the system. Lake Michigan and Lake Huron are technically one body of water with the Georgian Bay right here. And there's the Strait of Mackinac right here. That kind of separates them. So we do think of them as two separate bodies of water. When the stream enters Lake Michigan, the water moves west to east and then back up through the Strait of Mackinac and into Lake Huron. It takes about 77 years for a drop of water to move through Lake Michigan and then only 22 years to get through here and into Lake Erie. And while we said earlier that the north has a lot of forests, here along Lake Michigan you actually have a lot of beaches. So sand and dunes. The area is sometimes considered to be the third coast of the US after the Atlantic Ocean and the Pacific coastline. So this is pretty great to stay in summer. The lakes themselves can be very cold though. Lake Erie and Lake Ontario are the two smaller lakes then. 
and you heard the Niagara Falls between them. So you can see that Lake Superior, Michigan, Huron and Erie all kind of equal above sea level. 183 meters, 170, 175. There's not much of a difference. But then to Lake Ontario, you have a drop of 100 meters. All in all, that's quite a lot. And then from there, you move on to the St. Lawrence stream. And while these lakes have always been connected, you can imagine it was quite difficult to get through by ship, considering the Niagara Falls. But today you have a system of canals and channels to make sure that the ships can move between the lakes. And they're not just connected to the Atlantic Ocean, but also to the Gulf of Mexico via the Mississippi. So an important area for shipping. We're quite far north here though, so you can imagine it gets quite cold which is why there are icebreakers in fall and early winter. But in winter, shipping often stops for two to three months because of ice. And again, you can see here the industrial cities, Chicago, Milwaukee, there's Detroit, Toledo, Cleveland, Erie, Buffalo, this Toronto, and so on. Alright, should we have a closer look at them? I have to say I really like this old atlas. I think the maps are just so pleasing to look at. The design's really gorgeous. But it's time to take a closer look. Canada, running right through the middle 
of the lakes. So you have Thunder Bay here in the north and then in the US we further south in Minnesota there's Duluth. The border turns a little to the north and then south again. A straight line to Sault Ste. Marie. You have the Pocosqua National Park here and the Lake Superior Provincial Park. Lake Michigan, like we've noticed before, is entirely in the US. It goes all the way to Milwaukee here on this map. But Chicago lies a little too far south to be visible here. Then here there's Traverse City. There's a road going from Sault Ste. Marie south towards Grand Rapids, Flint. You could go here too. Detroit and Windsor. And the border continues here, right through Lake Huron. So the Georgian Bay lies entirely in Canada. And then the border almost drops off the map here comes back up through Lake Erie. There's Buffalo right next to the Niagara Falls. And you can see quite a lot of cities here. Hamilton, Burlington, Toronto, Brampton. There's a London, Woodstock, Cambridge and Waterloo. Lots of European names here. And again, we're kind of losing the border here behind the names of the cities. But then we move through Lake Ontario, taking a turn northwards towards Kingston. And then just following the St. Lawrence River for a little bit to Cornwall. And then the border moves away again. And the St. Lawrence River moves through Quebec towards the Gulf of St. Lawrence. So in Canada, basically Ontario is the province that borders the Great Lakes. But in the US you have a couple of different ones mentioned Minnesota, there's Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, New York, and here in the south there should be two or three more, but I'm not sure I remember them correctly, so let's skip that part.
but I think there's only so much that you can learn from a map. So let's also have a look at some beautiful photos of the region. It says here that the Great Lakes were formed about 13,000 years ago during the last ice age and the glaciers were several kilometers thick Here we have Lake Michigan I really like this. It reminds me a little bit of some of the paintings by Munk along the shore. In fact, Clay also told me that there were some painters in Canada that visited the areas around the Great Lakes called the group of seven. They figured that Canadian art should be inspired by the beauty of nature around them. She has mentioned a really interesting book to me that I tried to find but to say books about Canadian art are kind of hard to come by here in Austria so unfortunately I wasn't lucky. But I'll put the title in the description box below. And this is a photo that I found really impressive. The Great Lakes in winter with Lake Superior here in the north. Michigan. Huron, Erie and Ontario and you can see the ice forming here along the shoreline since Erie and Ontario were smaller there's a greater chance that the ice covers the entire lake and of course Georgian Bay as well it's a smaller body of water and you can see the ice extending almost across the entire bay but then I'm also really fascinated with these formations here and I'm not entirely sure if these aren't actually clouds that just lie across the landscape but I can't say for sure it is really difficult for me to understand just how vast this area is 
And of course you can't even really see the cities along the shores because they would look so small in comparison. What you do often have is a lot of snow, especially along the west. When the wind moves across the water, picks up vapor, and the air then freezes again over the colder land, meaning you have snowfall, sometimes all the way to Maryland. National Park in Ontario along Lake Superior. And it says here that with the light it looks almost Caribbean, but the water temperature is usually relatively low. But I heard it's quite healthy to take a dip in cooler water. Beautiful look at the forests in early fall. And finally, a look at Niagara Falls. These are the horseshoe falls.
I hope you enjoyed it. And I'll see you again next week. Good night.